Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Lent to all of you this Friday, March the 25th, as the light of Christ shines on us from Matthew 25. We have slowly been going through both chapters 24 and now 25 because there's so much packed inside of it that points us to Christ, but also can often be interpreted as a source of anxiety. When you look at it through the lens of Jesus, you're able to see it as a source of comfort and hope and also reminding us of what we are to be doing today. So today we have another parable and we can look at this and just say, well, this is about money management, throwing a little bit of a quip, maybe do your best and God will do the rest kind of health and wealth prosperity. Is that what this parable is about? I'm guessing that we will not hear that from our pastor, but also when he's looking at Christ, we will find out what it points us to. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we welcome Pastor Greg Truey of Trinity Lutheran Church in Cole Camp, Missouri. Pastor Truey, a blessed Lent and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. It's good to be here. Pastor, tell us about yourself. This is our first time on together. I know you've been a KFUO guest many times, but this is our first time. So tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the various ministries you're involved in in Cole Camp. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, So... My wife and I, Jamie and I, are blessed with uh, six children. Uh, The oldest is Naomi. She's 15, a freshman at St. Paul Lutheran High School in Concordia, Missouri. (laughs) Yeah, you have a daughter there, and they (laughs) they hang out from time to time. Absolutely. Um, Then I have Micah, who's an eighth grader. He'll hopefully, God willing, be there next year. Uh, Hannah, uh, fifth grade. Abby, third grade, Josiah, kindergarten, and Eden is 19 months old. So I got, I still got diapers and high school stuff going on with the children and they're active, taking music lessons, uh, sports, uh, doing well in school and healthy and baptized and believing in Christ. So we have a lot to be thankful for there. Uh, we live right across the street from the congregation in the parsonage. And uh, so I serve as pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church here in Cole Camp, and it's a busy place. So uh, across the street from our parsonage is a church, and across the other street is our day school. And um, so we have the K-8 school in our congregation. We also have a preschool. Uh, that's a half-day program for third and fourth grade, or th- three- and four-year-olds, and uh, two years ago, in February, we started Trinity School of Music, uh, Parish-Based Music Conservatory, and that's going well as as well. And so um, we got a busy lot of lot of ministry going on, a lot of opportunity to serve our the saints here at Trinity, but also the community. And it's it's a lot sometimes. Um, so I say people say. How is it all? And I say, well, life is very full, mm-hmm. but it's full of God's blessings, and we're, we're happy to be here in, in Cole Camp. Well, Pastor, there is one highlight you did not highlight was that in high school and in college, you were part of a ska band. 
playing trombone. Oh, no. Am I right? You didn't want to highlight that I, today? I was. Yeah, I was. <laughs> uh, yeah, Scott. So, uh, yeah, you and I were uh, matriculating through high school and college at a time, a short time when ska began to be more popular. And then there was a, uh, like a swing music that yeah, got, it was huge. Began to be popular. Brian Setzer's orchestra and some bands like that. Our listeners may remember, may not. Yeah, I was, it was fun. And, uh, I, I don't, I'm not going to tell you the name of the band cause I don't want your listeners to Google it and find out <laughs> recordings that are on there. Um, cause I was in high school and I was the youngest guy of the uh, member of the band. I played trombone. And um, the good guys, uh, still in touch with most of the guys from the band, but that was 25 years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was in high school. That's so it. when I was a child, I thought like a child, and, <laughs> you know, you know, in the Bible. <laughs> so, in the Bible. yeah, it, 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 oh. let me just say this. The texts of our songs were not like the text of the hymns we sing in the divine service. There it is. We'll just say that. And we will go back to the source of these songs by being in God's word today. So, Pastor, as we begin our time, can you ask the Lord's blessings on our study of God's word? Absolutely. So this is the collect uh, for the 26th Sunday after Trinity, uh, late in the church year, end times in mind, which is appropriate for our, our Bible study today as well. So, um, let us pray. O oh Lord, so rule and govern our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that ever mindful of the end of all things and the day of your just judgment, we may be stirred up to holiness of living here and dwell with you forever hereafter. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So, Pastor, if you have any, not Pastor, but to our listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text today, as Pastor Truly is a great student of God's Word, and also as we look at this, we're really looking at all of Matthew, as how does it all connect? Send us an email if you have a question, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. We are studying Matthew 25. We just got through the parable of the ten virgins, which gives us one aspect to look at. And then Jesus tells another parable, the parable of the talents. So what I'll do is I'll be reading the parable for today that we will study, verses 14 through 30, and come back for, for pastors and, and our first thoughts as we look at God's word. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14, we are reading from the English Standard Version. Jesus says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, 
You delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew what I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is our text today, and as we look at the parable of the talents, let's, Pastor, I'm going to ask you this question a little bit off the cuff. I try to ask this every time we do a parable. It's a Sunday school question. What is a parable, and what are good things to remember when we look at this particular parable? Okay. Yes, right. So a parable would be a story that Jesus tells that makes use of common everyday references or things that uh, people will understand and be aware of. But the point of the parable draws their minds to heavenly things. So your listeners may have been taught that it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And I think that's uh, helpful. Uh, We want to maybe remember uh, not to lose the forest for the trees when we're reading a parable. So sometimes we can make too much of little details and forget the primary point of the parable. And I think there's going to be a little bit of that challenge in our text today. Um, But yeah, so we also want to remember that Jesus is telling parables in a context to people who live in 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 a certain era. And so there are going to be also maybe some terms and definitions that we want to Make sure we understand. Uh, we're going to have some of that today too. So, so there you we, go. As we look at this parable, um, there's well, there's quite a bit to unpack, and it can easily yeah. be misconstrued. And I want to, for me, I want to highlight one thing: is that, and I want to have if there's any thoughts you have or other misperceptions that are commonly told. And I mean, not even commonly told, but your first thought in it is that this is a uh, a stewardship uh, parable to remind you that when you get out of high school, you get out of college and they offer you the 403 or the 401k program, you sign up. See, Jesus says so, therefore you do. What's the problem with looking at the text like that? (laughs) Well, the problem is uh, similar to what your readers will have experienced with other passages that are popular but misunderstood because they are ripped completely out of their context oftentimes. And that's what happens when this parable is used simply uh, as a text or a pretext, we might say, for someone to teach just about money. Mm. And the reality is uh, uh, Jesus is going to be using a monetary term, but his point really has nothing to do with money specifically. So I'm glad you're 
asking the question because that was a question I wanted to deal with right off the bat yeah. uh, and, and maybe broaden the context of this parable to the whole sermon or the whole teaching that Jesus is providing here so that we avoid that error. Now, if we're talking about stewardship in terms of possessors of the kingdom mm. by faith, and so now how do we live as possessors of the kingdom? And so our, our whole life has been bought with a price, and so our whole you, we can talk about our whole life as being stewards of the gifts of God. If, if we think of stewardship in that sense, well, okay, we could do that. The point of this text is not simply to give us um, a few principles about how to handle dollar bills or money, not at all. And so, Pastor, do you have right offhand? Because I'm I'm struggling a little bit with this. If you were to have a, a common like tagline for the parable of the talents, do you, do you have something, or we're going to have to dig in this to un- unearth that? Yeah, right. So like if your uh, listeners have their Bibles open and they have the the heading, the parable of the talents, I, I just think that's entirely misleading and it puts the focus on the wrong um, issue or wrong point right away. I might I might say this, uh, this would be sort of the a parable of another parable of God's mercy. And I, and I say it that way because, in fact, with the context, which if your listeners are listening day after day, they've just studied a lot of this context. What I'm going to suggest is that this is actually the third of four examples of a contrast between those who are faithful and those who are not, and how each responds and how the Lord rewards each group of people. And so that's that's the greater context, right? So back in chapter 24, uh, addressing the specific question about the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus starts by talking about the two men in the field. One was taken and, another, and the other was left. And then the two women grinding, one was taken and the other was left, right? So that's, and the point there is to encourage the faithful to stay awake and be ready for the coming of the Son of Man, because we don't know the day or the hour. That's, so that's the first one. The second one is the ten virgins, right? So you have the wise and the foolish virgins. At the end of that, that little section, the point is exactly the same. Stay awake. So he's, he's sort of ending his sermon. He's coming to a climax with multiple examples of, making the same point. The the two men or the two women taken and left, the ten virgins, wise or foolish, and now we get to the talents, and we have the faithful servants and the foolish or unwise or unfaithful servants, and that'll be the example today. And then what follows is maybe the most well-known example, the sheep and the goats. Mm. Well, the point of all of these examples is to stay awake and be alert because you don't know the day or the hour of the coming of the son of man. And, um, and so that really, when we begin to think of that context, we're no longer thinking about money. We're thinking about the trumpet sounding and the son of man returning and what 
you know, and whether or not we're faithful or ready for the coming of the Son of Man. And that's the point. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of focus, and I like how you put the, the, the theme, the merciful master, which when you go back to a number of parables, chapter 21, parable of the two sons, parable of the tenants, I would put the father with the, the master type of dynamic, the ones that you've highlighted, parable of the wedding feast, same, same dynamic, the, the king. We see, when we look at it correctly, through the right lenses, we see a merciful master. And like you said, we can get lost in the, the forest and the trees and all those kind of things. But to remember that at the beginning, think of the master and his mercy in the midst of all of this parable. So let's dig in. Are you ready, Pastor? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So once again, we are on 25. We'll just do verses 14 and 15 and make sure we get our terms correct. Verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. So another number of terms we need to uh, define here, Pastor. Which ones do you want to start off with? Well, you want to just jump in with talent? Let's do it. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> so talent is a, a, a monetary uh, unit of, of money, right? A, a measurement of money. And so, again, I just got, I just spent a whole lot of time saying the point is not money, <laughs> but he's using an everyday thing that people understand, which is money. Mm-hmm. Because even in those days, money was the technology that was necessary for trade, right? It was just the thing that you had to have in order to, you know, buy meat at the market or, or whatever trade with your neighbor. So we understand how this works. Right. And, but we're going to find out very quickly that a talent, uh, so is not, is not a small unit of money. Right. And so whether there were silver talents and there were gold talents and your, your hearers may be familiar with the term denarius, mm-hmm. which refers to, a single day's wage. So you go to work one day, a typical job, and what you're paid for that one day is a, a single denarius. Well, some scholars would suggest that a silver talent is worth 7,300 denarii. Now, that's 20 years worth of work. That's just the silver talent. The gold talent might be 30 times more valuable than the silver talent. So that's off the charts. And that's a lifetime of, of work or more than a lifetime of work. Okay. A payment for work. So uh, this is going to get us into when we talk about five, two, and one, right? And sometimes our, we might have this idea that the person who got one talent didn't get very much. Mm-hmm. No. The Lord is giving this person 20 years, the master, sorry, the master of the vineyard or or of the work. The master is giving his servant 20 years worth of wage is what he's getting in one talent. So not a small amount, right? Now, uh, so that's maybe to begin having the right idea of talent. The other, the other thing that I think we want to deal with here is maybe the question about the, the man who calls the servants, but then he goes on a journey. 
that's something maybe we we want to discuss a little bit unless you had other thoughts about these first two verses well hold on to that for one moment because I haven't thought about that. He goes on a journey. There's some. I'm like on the cliff right now. Can't wait to hear what you're oh. going to say now. But, but with the talents, this brings us back. There's you know there's so many great parables in the Gospel of Matthew. But in Matthew 18, when it talks about yeah. the parable of the unforgiving servant, this opens it up even more. Verse 24 of 18. When he began to settle, one brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents, and that just yeah. brought to mind like. Five would be, you know, what, 100 years of salary? 10,000 mm-hmm. is what this guy owed, and yet the, the master forgave him. Another example of a merciful master. Yeah. That's right. So the debt there is, it's an insurmountable debt. It's like our country's deficit, right? right. Like something that may never be paid off, right? Uh, which makes the, in that parable, the servant's response. You know, give me more time and I will pay this back. It's laughable because it's an impossibility. Just like if if a, if a sinner says to the Lord, oh, well, let me do enough works to pay back my debt of sin. You're saying something to the Lord that, that is impossible for us to do. Because even our good works are done through our flesh. And so, you know, our motives are always tainted. Our, you know, our, we're... we're adding to our pile of debt while we do our good works right right, right. <laughs> right? and and so uh, we just it's an impossibility so the only thing that that can get us out of that debt is a fit amy the forgiveness that the king gives to the servant and in that parable that's exactly what he just forgives the debt it, it cancels it it's gone and it's, it's, it's it's a lot. The Lord's merciful. <laughs> once once again, the the merciful master. Now let's touch yeah. on this. I'm excited. Verse 15. It says it's only a few words. Then he went away. What's the significance there? Yeah. So so it's the same as in 14, right? He's going to go on a journey, uh, and so he gathered. You know, he's giving his property, and property there maybe we want to think kingdom, okay? Because this is about the kingdom of God. Right, so he's going to be giving them his kingdom and the gifts that come along with the kingdom, and then uh, he goes away. Now, uh, Chrysostom has, uh, and I think this is a, a good way to understand this in terms of the parable. Uh, and th- this is Matthew twenty-five, so we're getting later into the into the uh, gospel. This is during Holy Week. So he's preparing his disciples for his crucifixion, his resurrection, but also his ascension and his departure. And so their question is, when is he going to return? Well, the parable then begins to speak of a master who's departing, right? And so I think it's helpful for for our hearers to think in terms of the ascended Christ who has departed and yet isn't absent, he sends his spirit, right? And this is far better for us. Um, but he will be returning on the last day. And so the masters in this parable are in that, in that way the same as the Christian who knows that Christ has ascended to the right hand of the Father and is reigning and will one day return. And so that's the journey 
And the property he's given us is the kingdom and the offices and the duties that are associated with life in the kingdom of heaven. And this relates to Matthew 24, when it speaks about, uh, see here, I'm just looking at a quick verse 47. Uh, blessed is that servant, excuse me, 46. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes, speaking about using his gifts. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats to drink with drunkards, da, 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 that servant will come back on a day when he does not expect it and that hour he does not know and cut him into pieces, which is a fun part of the text right there. But the point yeah. of it is that once again, when he goes away, there's an understanding that he's coming back. And and that's a there's a there's an end times reality to this as well. And speaking, really, kind of reaffirming that whole "stay awake" mentality without really saying those explicit words in our text today. I never thought about that connection that you saw. So thank you. It's only a few words, and I totally missed it. So any other thoughts on those two first verses, Pastor? Uh no, you. I mean, with this whole connection to the stay awake thing, and uh, just maybe realizing that this isn't going to be easy, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't want to make light of the situation that, as we get into this, that those who have received the kingdom and are going to be given talents by their master, more on that in a second, um, are going to be living in a time when there are false Christs, when persecution is increasing, right? When many are being led astray by the false Christs. So that's the first half of the sermon, right? Mm. The signs of the close of the age. Uh, But in that context, the fourth thing that Jesus says is going to happen is that the gospel will continue to be proclaimed. Um, And then the Son of Man will will return. So the reality is that uh, in the midst of very difficult times, uh, we have God's promises to cling to, and they're promises of a master who is merciful and has done all and paid the price uh, through his son. And this is uh, what gives us the ability, uh, the strength to endure. Uh, and that, so it, it's not a s- small thing for those who have been given the kingdom and been uh, gifted by the master with these talents to hold fast and be faithful. And we do that because we're clinging to his promises in the midst of difficult times. I want to talk more about that on the other end, maybe to unpack a little bit about, okay, a talent is the kingdom. He's entrusting them, but what does that look like for us today? But right now we need to take our break. We are studying okay. Matthew 25 with Pastor Greg Truly, and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. 
And welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter 25. And you know what? We're almost going through the whole book of Matthew in my mind as we're going through this. It's absolutely outstanding with Pastor Greg Truey of Trinity Lutheran Church in Cole Camp, Missouri. And Pastor, I just a thought that always comes to mind because I really don't think I've ever matured beyond confirmation level is these questions <laughs> come up in my mind when you say, okay, all right. So the talent was 20 years worth of salary. We can say it that way. He entrusts them with the kingdom, and you said that beautifully as we've looked at these parables. Almost all of them um, are speaking about the kingdom of God. And so what does that mean for us as we look at this? Is there a way of us to have some substance to saying, okay, this is the kingdom, and for us, in a practical level, what does the kingdom for us, how would you describe that? Yeah, good. Uh, So practically speaking, this is, as simple as saying, we are children of God, and we are members of the family of faith. You know, given the kingdom by baptism into Christ, um, and through the preaching of the gospel, right? So those who believe in a, and are baptized will be saved, and faith comes through hearing. So all of this, right? So this is the ministry, and this is how the master gives his property or his kingdom to his servants through those those means. And it's significant here, right, that uh, the master is the one who does the giving, each according to his own ability, right? And, And then later on, he's actually the giver when they receive more. And I think that might be something that can sometimes be misunderstood, right? Like, because they did work, somehow the additional five talents or two talents were the result of their own work. So in fact, what the text says is those who were given are going to be given more. So it's still the Lord who is the giver when they receive more gifts. So it's not by their own doing, lest they should boast. Um, And so that's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And so like, what are these gifts, right? Well, like, we might remember Paul's words in Romans 12, where he talks about specific gifts that are associated um, with vocations uh, for those who are called uh, believers. So if you have the gift of prophecy, prophecy, prophesy, you know, uh, and so the Lord will give in there. It's also uh, in proportion to, uh, to our faith, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us that's similar language right mm. and so in in the body of Christ we have different gifts uh, and, and and yet we all have received mercy in the gospel to believe in Jesus Christ so we're all servants but he gives he gives to us individually uh, according to our specific life and calling so, actually, and, and I said earlier it was Chrysostom, it's actually Gregory the Great who made the point about the Ascension, but I have a different quote from Chrysostom about this, this very thing. Um, he says, so, one who is given a gift of preaching or teaching is given it so others may profit from it. If people do not use this gift, they will lose it. But one who uses the gift diligently will gain even more of the gift in abundance, even as the inactive recipient will lose what he or she received. 
so this is fascinating, right? So like not all of your listeners are pastors, uh, probably a vast majority of them are not, but they have been given gifts too. And as they use them, the Lord who gave them those gifts will continue to give them more gifts. And that's what we're going to find as we get, get further into the text. Well, let's continue on verses 16 through 18. Right now, we just know that they have been given these gifts, and that's it. So (laughs) keep moving forward. Verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So I'm going to stop there just because, just to make sure we're in the right page, is this is a pretty simplistic on what's happened. And so what's happened so far? Yeah, so um, the Lord, the Master, has given his servants gifts. And he has left. And so those who received five used the gifts that he had given. And I... I, uh, so I think the ESV says made five more. Is that right? Is that what you read? Uh, 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 so hold on here. Um, yes, made sorry. five more. Yep, nope. Ma- made 16. five more. Yep. So, yeah, so that implies they made five more, right? It's their work. Right. Uh, I, I like the translation gained five more. Mm, okay, yep. The idea is that there were five more. And then, likewise, the ones who had received two used them and gained two more, but the one who received one hid the gifts, right? He, he didn't use the gift that he had been given. Um, and then the master came to settle the accounts. And it, how do you say it? it, it it's interesting because it's so easy to make this simply about money. So we're just going to keep it simple that, one guy gained, or how would you say it? You not gained. You said yeah, gained. Gained, gained, gained more. five more. Not made yeah. five more, but yep. gained five. Gained more. five more. Yeah. And so really, the, the five and two guy are the same. So they they doubled it. And then you have one who came and just hid his master's money. So let's keep going. I think I think we've had enough context there to keep going. Verse nineteen. Now, after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made or gained five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Actually, I'll keep going. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So Dr. Gibbs highlights this, that really you have these two servants are basically the same. They say the same thing. The master responds in the same way. So what are, what are, the, what are the ways the master responds to these two servants? Yeah, well... So he acknowledges that they have been faithful. And then there is also joy in his presence, right? 
And again, back to the uh, larger context, right? We want to remember that this is, so this faithful servant in our text who has been faithful with the gifts, the talents given to him, is like the man and the woman in the field who was taken and is like uh, the wise virgin. And what's the point there? That they remained faithful. They stayed awake. They kept alert. They kept trusting in the promises of God for salvation. We also know what's coming next, and I don't want to give too much time to your next study, Mm -hmm. but uh, sheep and the goats. It's helpful to know that when we get to the sheep, They didn't know that they were doing, they didn't know that they had these great abundant works. There were more works than they were aware of. When it's the goats that are proud of their works and want to talk about their works, right? And so why is that important here? Because (laughs) they're not being told that he's proud of them or happy with them, uh, necessarily because they they have a righteousness of their own or something like that, that they've been doing this on their own, that they went out and produced more. They've simply been faithful. They've fulfilled their calling. They've lived according to the promise of God. And he then and we're gonna we're gonna find that out explicitly when we get to verse twenty nine, but he gives them more gifts, right? They don't produce more. He gives them more. And he's, he's pleased with their faithfulness. And that context helps curb us from going into areas where then we become like uh, good work counters, right, or fruit mm. checkers or something like this, mm. where we're finding out whether we're members of the elect or whether we're sheep or goats based upon whether or not we've reproduced our gifts or something like that. We want to guard against that. And so the the men and women taken from the field, the the wise virgin and the sheep are all other examples that help us understand who the servant, the faithful servants are in this parable. And that's quite helpful and important to keep in mind. That's very helpful as we look at this. And once again, it's brought back to the master with into the joy of your master. And that's that's an important piece of this as well, as we're brought back to the master, not so much to the works of the servants. Um, mm. He does say, well done, good and faithful servant. And this is something where um, I've heard quite a bit on this subject with uh, Dr. John Kleinick from Australia, and he talks about what does it mean to be a faithful pastor. And he speaks extensively that when we're doing what we're called to do to oversee the flock, care of souls, language, and the only way to monitor that is to once again look at the gifts that you give, and you can't look at the gifts without also looking at Christ. Um, because when you do all the other things, then you're just look, you're looking at the wrong place. And here, once again, we're looking to the master, the joy of the master, and to keep our eyes centered on that, along with the other, you know, examples that you've had, the the the, the man left in the field and the and the, and the yeah. sheep and so forth, you know, it really keeps us. How could you not help but keep looking back at the master as opposed to the servant? Any thoughts? <laughs> well, yeah, and it's it's so wonderful when so 
this does apply to, I think, all Christians in whatever their specific vocations are. And as they serve faithfully and they fulfill those tasks, uh, they have more duties to do, right? So the faithful father, as he's a faithful father, his work is never done, and God multiplies that work, sometimes even with more children if uh, or, or not, right? But there's, there's the kid's age, and there's still more fathering to be done, right? Mm-hmm. There's more work to be done. Well, so also, he's speaking here to his apostles, uh, so his disciples who will become his apostles, and what is their work going to be doing? The, the baptizing and the preaching. So as, as they fulfill their duty and baptize the nations and, and preach the gospel, guess what? There's even more preaching to be done. <laughs> so the blessings continue to be provided by God as he produces the harvest from the work that they do. And <laughs> the, the, the production of this happens much like in Mark, 9, or Mark 4, excuse me, where it says, and, and the plants grow and he does not know how. You know, yeah. not, he doesn't know how, but it grows. And we, we try to grab, a, um, <laughs> try to grab credit and, and God's like, no, that's not yours. Not your, not your credit. Yeah. To receive. yeah just like the sheep in the next, <laughs> in the next section, don't know when right. they clothed the naked and fed the hungry. Right. Oh. They're like, when did we do that? We were just being sheep. <laughs> uh, into the joy of your masters is really what he yeah. says there as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. So let's, yeah. let's keep going. So we, we've had the bearing of fruit. Okay. Now we get to the guy, the servant with one talent. Let's keep moving forward. Verse 24. Yeah. Okay. So are you going to read that? I'm going to read it. Okay. I know you're excited, but I want to hear it one more time. Verse 24. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what that what was my own with interest. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there. Um because yeah, the first thing that we see happen is that the servant speaks differently to the master. And what, what significance is that? Oh, so unfortunately, like this is, this is, uh, this is what causes Christ to weep over Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. When he came to preach to them, to call them, to die for them, and they would not have him. Because, you know, and for various reasons, right? This is the Lord Christ has revealed himself in the gospel of Matthew uh, to be gentle. His burden is light. His yoke is gentle, right? Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? Those who are burdened by the work that they have done or left undone, right? This is what we confess every Sunday. Right? We've been working as husbands and fathers and uh, wives and mothers and friend and parent and child and whatever. It's our work that causes us to have guilt and shame, right? And if we begin to see God only as the God who has strength, because that's what he says. I was fearful because you 
you are hard and you reap where you do not sow, right? You're this powerful God who, who does things we can't do, right? You're a miracle worker. You're just strong. And you can do things that I can't explain. And I'm afraid of you. He is paralyzed by his fear. And he does not trust in one who is merciful. And that is sad, right? This is something. Uh, so I was excited because of <laughs> some other things that come up next. But this is, this is so important, right? Gregory the Great says here that Peter in the Gospels is a good example of this fear. Now, we know that Peter is going to be restored, but the example he has in mind is when Peter is cowering in the presence of Christ and confessing his sin in the boat, right? Mm-hmm. Away from me. I'm a sinner. Right? He sees Jesus as a hard man who has come only in judgment. Right? In fact, Jesus comes in mercy to save sinners to, so that we would be spared of the final judgment. And so Peter there is an example of an of, of unfaithful or foolish servant who does not know the promises of God and therefore only sees God as a powerful man who will come in judgment. And that means doom. He does not believe the gospel, right? This isn't, this isn't you've uh, gone over budget, right? <laughs> this isn't about your bad use of money, although that can be sinful. If our use of money is something that we, I mean, when our use of money is something we must do in order to love and serve those who, who we've been called to care for, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a part of our, Christian life and our and our vocation, our, our stewardship. But this that's not the point here. The point is the guy does not see the Lord, the Master, as merciful. He has no faith in the gospel. There is no joy, as I hear. You know, there's no joy in Mudville. You know, because Mighty Casey <laughs> has struck out. But here, there's no joy in this servant because he, you know, he does not see a merciful God who is standing. A merciful master who's standing right before him. And I think that is exactly how we can perceive God, I think, even in our world today. So, Pastor, just in a few minutes, can you kind of speak about how today, in today's world, that people might not see the Lord as merciful and how that can be so destructive to people when they look at when they think about God and Christ? Yeah, sure. So maybe as Lutherans, right, we might think historically uh, coming out of the Reformation, right, as um, when we begin to think that, uh, uh, you know, indulgences or um, confession has been abused, and so it's about then, you know, confessing your sins and then having to to do penance in order to complete the, the interaction to earn God's mercy, uh, instead of understanding that it's all been accomplished by Christ. It's complete. It's finished. The work is done, uh, completed. Uh, brought to an end. And so uh, we there are a host of ways that servants of God, so this would imply that these are people who have been called and heard the gospel even, uh, who, who the Lord has given gifts to, are now seeing 
the Lord as something other than merciful. And so it's by those false teachers that were a part of the sermon, too, that Christ talked about, the, the false Christs, the antichrists that would uh, um, preach a false gospel, right? And, and, and not reveal the Lord as one who has come in mercy to save sinners, right? But demand you uh, to, to, to show yourselves worthy to the Lord by how you are a father or a mother or a husband or a wife or, you know, those vocations I've been talking about, pastor too, right? Like if, um, but, but rather when the Lord is seen as merciful and forgiving and loving and the one who's just going to keep giving gifts, we're not afraid. We're not, we're not living in fear. We, we have boldness and confidence to, to live in the light of Christ and, and go parent or <laughs> go preach, uh, whatever the case might be, according to your vocation, right? Like if, if I was worried about the Lord coming down in wrath upon me, if I didn't preach a perfect sermon, I'd never step into the pulpit. Right, right. Never. And there would be no preaching on earth, because no one would, right. except for Jesus himself. But he's ascended, right? So he sent his spirit. And this is the realm in which we're living now, as our master has gone on the journey. And so because God is merciful and continues to give his gifts, and he gives gifts to those to whom he has called, I trust in Christ for the confidence to preach. That also helps me understand what I'm supposed to preach, because <laughs> yeah. it's the word Christ has given me to preach, and not my own word, right? Because I'm a servant of the Master, a servant of the Word, right? We uh, we, we a called and ordained servant of Christ and, uh, is, is how we serve. Likewise, a parent, uh, a husband or a wife, right? They, they are in those offices by God's grace and mercy. You know, when, when, a, when a pastor pronounces a husband and a, a man and a woman to be husband and wife in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord God himself is, is establishing that union. He's placed the, this man and woman into an office, into offices, and he will therefore continue to give them the gifts that are necessary to carry out those offices, right? And, and, and so we, we do so knowing that the Lord is merciful and, you know, reaps where he does not sow, right? So if I, if I can't see how this will work out, if I can't see how this situation with my with my spouse or with my children or with my friend or my neighbor will come to a pleasing end. I can trust that the Lord will continue to give his gifts and I don't have to act in fear. Mm. With so most, there's just a, maybe uh, a few ways that this is practical for oh, our, our lives. Incredibly practical that when you look at the table of duties and we highlighted this this past week that you look at the table of duties totally different with a merciful Lord in Christ, as opposed to, Oh my gosh, I will never be able to do these tasks. Excuse me. The, the table of duties in the small catechism at the end of the small catechism yeah. gives us a wonderful reality as we've been filled with so much grace and prayer right before it, to show it we have a merciful master in Christ. Therefore, these table of duties I'm able to fulfill with a Lord that will help me gain the fruit by which he first serves us. Pastor, we have four minutes left in our time. I want to read the rest okay. of our verses and make sure 
good. Well, in some ways, I, I, you know, I don't know if I want to end this, but, but there's a lot of good stuff here too. Verse 28. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has will be get more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast a worthless servant into, our, into the outer darkness. In that place there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, Pastor, he says, hey, take those talents, give it to the other guy, because this guy's not being faithful. Well, in America, we're like, well, that's not fair. We have about three and a half minutes left in our time, Pastor. How would you break down these verses? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, life isn't fair. Uh, I <laughs> say that all the time with my own family. But, but it's... So that's especially true for the kingdom. And God be praised is not fair, because if it was fair, right, we would get what we deserve, mm-hmm. which we confess every Sunday is temporal and eternal condemnation. But because God is merciful, and then he's the one who's giving the gifts, right, the one who has been given to continues to be given to. So this is verse 29, and, and I've been saying we're going to get to this, but to everyone who who has, more will be given. And maybe, maybe so more, everyone who has, right, so has oil in their lamps, mm-hmm. has faith in the promises, who trusts Christ and his sufficient work on the cross, <laughs> who trusts that. The Lord is merciful that we have a gracious Heavenly Father as He has made Himself known to us in His Son. That's what we have, right? Those are the, the that's the kingdom that has been given to us is is to believe uh, in that gospel and 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 that reality, and more will be given, right? But the one who doesn't have that, who does not possess that faith. Even what he does have, right, is going to be taken from him, right? So maybe we think now of things like the grass withers, right, and the flowers fade. Like um, nothing will endure apart from the Lord and his word. And those who will inherit the kingdom are those who will inherit the kingdom because of his word and their faith in it. Those who don't have that faith, right? Uh, the door is shut upon them. I never knew you, uh, or worse, as, you know, cut into pieces. That's chapter 24, mm-hmm. the man and the woman taken from the field. So this is just an, a saying it again for repetition's sake, like any good sermon, right? Like, like that's what we want to remember, is Jesus is getting to the end of this sermon, and he's making the same point, and so he's saying the same thing about the judgment of those who don't have faith in slightly different words, but with much overlap, right? So as you look at it, how do you say it? It's, it's, it's like the gifts just keep going. They keep coming and they keep coming and they keep coming. Why would you be afraid when these gifts are coming is beyond comprehension. But yet we do, as you unpacked so beautifully for us today, and then there is much like, once again, going back to chapter 24, where there will be a time where Noah had to shut the door on the ark. And there will be a time where that door will be shut for others as well. The gifts are there, but then there's a time where it is not. What does this, what's a good reminder for us as those who are in the kingdom 
about part of our vocation as Christian people, knowing that reality? Yeah, so the primary vocation, I would say, is as a receiver, as a hearer of the words by which his gifts are given. That's number one. Faith comes by hearing, Paul says in Romans chapter 10, right? And so if, if, we're, if we are concerned to be found faithful when the trumpet sounds and Christ returns, the first priority is to be receiving his gifts where he gives them in the divine service. At the table with your father or mother or whomever is taking up that task in the home uh, to bring the word of God to, to the family, right? Uh, this is this is where these gifts are given, and I guess maybe we're in Lent, right? So um, we use the one-year lectionary here, and it, it, there has been an emphasis these first three weeks of Lent on spiritual warfare, right? So we're dust, and we're going to die, wages of sin, temptation of Christ, uh, something we can't stand up against on our own. Um, right. And then we have, oh gosh, now I'm second week of Lent. Um, oh, the, uh, well, now we had the the Canaanite woman Mm -hmm. who's, uh, praying to the Lord for mercy and has met with God's silence and then he rebukes her and yet he's faithful and will be merciful. And she gets a crumb. Well, a crumb of God's mercy is enough. Right. So all of our faithfulness and our our need to continue fighting the good fight to be found faithful, staying awake and being alert flows out of our hearing the word of God. And that's how um, the la- this last Sunday's gospel lesson ended. This is Jesus sweeping the house clean and then the demons go and they try to come back, right? Um, and so we, we remain clean, we remain strong against the devil's attacks by, the, 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 the text ends in Luke 11, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So hearing the word of Christ, which is what Jesus is giving to his disciples to prepare them for their vocation as future apostles. But that's also what he gives to us to prepare us for the variety of vocations to which he calls us and then forgives us when we fall short and forgives us again <laughs> and again and again because God's mercy does not run out and more will be given to those who believe. Pastor Greg Truey of Trinity Lutheran Church in Colcamp, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Matthew 25. Pastor Truey, thank you for bringing us his gifts. It's my pleasure. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.